Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. We greatly appreciate it. All right, Jake, now I finally got that funny look on my face, but I have a reason for it. Okay. This tweet from uh, Mike Leach. He tweets out, if I had a dollar for every girl that found me unattractive, they would eventually find me attractive. React. Mm. I don't know. It's pretty condescending toward women. Yeah. So should he be criticized for that? Probably. Implying that all women just are out there searching for money seems pretty. But he could be joking. Huh? Yeah, it's not really a funny joke. <laughs> okay, well, it wasn't mine. No, I but you just... liked it enough to bring like it up it. off the air and no, on I, the air. I, I didn't. It's not a matter of me liking it or disliking it. It's a matter of a very well-known coach tweeting that out. Mm. Okay, sounds good. Which makes it newsworthy. I just hope uh, people, regardless, male or female, find uh, who or whatever they're looking for. Indeed. Yeah. No, you don't. No, I don't? What are you talking about? You don't want your friends to find happiness. I I absolutely do want my friends to find happiness. You want their teams to lose. You want them to lose. Oh, I want their sports teams to lose. Yeah, 100%. But I'm I'm cheering for their happiness in real life. Absolutely. You are in for the, the happiness of college athletes, though. I hate amateurism. Pay those college athletes. I, I honestly think uh, they can find happiness in all sorts of different ways, and I disagree with whoever said that. You don't think money brings happiness? No. But it brings ice cream. It does. <laughs> can I, that's well, almost the same almost thing. the same thing, yeah. Can I get some here real quick? All right. I'm curious to your input. So Mitch Harper of KSL Sports put out a top 10 moments of the decade for the BYU Cougars. Mm-hmm. And I don't think uh, it would be productive. I don't think we could just off, uh, you know, off a whim come up with a, a top ten list necessarily. But what what moments of the past decade in Utah sports do you think would have to be under consideration? When you say top ten, do you mean good things or bad things? I interpret it. It could be. Well, let's do our own thing. Let's say this: uh, most impactful moments. Of the last decade in Utah sports, which would imply it could be positive, negative. Impactful. I would say if we were looking at the Jazz when uh, when when the Jazz made the playoffs, led there by Gordon Hayward, and then when Gordon Hayward stabbed him in the back and left him, and then when the Jazz followed that by drafting Donovan Mitchell, they actually drafted Donovan Mitchell first. But yeah. oh yeah, that's right. Uh, but you know what? I mean. But I I would count those two moments as separate though. I know that they happen within, you know, weeks of each other. And right. I, I know that maybe the folks around here didn't feel the full impact of Gordon Hayward leaving because Donovan stepped right in. Right. Uh, but I would count those as two separate moments. Yeah, and I they, absolutely would put them on the list. I meant them as separate. Yeah. Uh, because one, I mean, the, the, the big part of the past decade for the Jazz was the rebuild. It was. Right. 
It, it was not, not the most. Any steps. It was not the most glorious ten years in jazz basketball. It just wasn't. They were putting stuff together, acquiring assets, and, and finally, you know, it it the, they remade the playoffs with Gordon Hayward, and that's why with him leaving, it was such an impactful mm-hmm. moment. And then at the same time, Don, drafting Donovan Mitchell, where he could he could carry on that momentum of the franchise. Is, I, I I don't think the importance of that can be understated. Either one of those events. Okay, so how about outside of the Jazz? What comes to mind? So Utah playing its first game in the Pac-12. I mean, I think, you know, Utah finally winning the division last year. That probably should be in consideration. Um, I mean, there are any— By Utah getting into the Pac-12. There are Utah— the invitation. I mean, that was big. That was a huge day. Up there at uh, Rice Cycles. Utah got to a uh, Sweet 16 in this decade. I don't know if that, if college basketball is, if that's enough to to move the meter. How about Jimmer? Uh, Jimmer's 100% up there. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what else? What are we forgetting? Uh, I, I think it's not necessarily a positive, but BYU going as an independent certainly is newsworthy. Yeah, well, impactful for sure. Yes. I mean, yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, I think uh, you're looking. Let's see. Uh, trying to think of some Utah State stuff. You know, the culmination of the Gary Anderson period was probably uh, worthy of putting on that list. Redirecting the entire right. program. Last yeah. year, I mean, it's not a specific moment, but Aggie basketball reappearing last year, I think, was a pretty big deal. The only team from the state that made it into the. Uh the NCAA tournament. So maybe with that, I would say the Aggies winning the Mountain West Conference last year, winning that tournament down there in Vegas. Yeah, that was a big deal that, for them. Absolutely uh-huh. a big deal. Yeah. So I, I thought that would kind of be a fun exercise. What what should be included? Let us know. We can open up the open mic. We're forgetting on stuff. Our, uh, we are on our Zone Sports Network app. You can tweet at us at Jake Scott Zone, at Gordon Monson, at Austin Horton as well. The most impactful moments. How about the hiring of Quinn Snyder? Yeah. Yeah, I would put that right near somewhere near the top, or the you know the changing of the guard with Dennis Lindsay coming yeah. in and Kevin O'Connor. Um, you say going out. I don't think Kevin O'Connor is actually totally out, but I you know the changing of the guard there was, was a huge a deal. Yeah, that was a that was a that was big. Uh huh. And these guys have done a a fine job. In hindsight, maybe Chris Hill to Mark Harlan that changing of the guard might prove to be really impactful, depending on what happens next. Yeah. Could be. Chris, uh, I, I think, set up a pretty good situation to pass the baton. I mean, I think Mark Harlan should consider himself uh, lucky on that front. He's not taking over a disastrous athletic department. He's taking over one that's functioning at a very high level. Well, and some of these things are related. And obviously the fact that the Utes had a challenge in front of them when, once they got into the Pac-12. Okay, that, that was huge in and of itself, but certainly would help them in recruiting help them build up their program, and it has. And so they are connected, and the Utes wouldn't be anywhere near as good as they are now without the affiliation of that league. I don't think you'd necessarily include this on any sort of top ten list, but uh, how about the the impact of the decision to bench Troy Williams and start Tyler Huntley? I mean, that set up this past football season. Well, wait a second. That was, when was that was two years ago? That was three years ago. Three years ago. Uh huh. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know whether that was really all that impactful. If they went to the playoff. It would have been. Yeah, but he he might have developed that way even if he didn't start that. First Maybe. Year. But I really think, and actually, Kyle Whittingham alluded to this this year. 
I really think starting him was an eye on this particular football season. He said it. He said you could see this coming. It might have, but I think it had a good chance of coming even if he hadn't started that year. Right? Uh, let's see here. A couple of suggestions coming in. RSL winning the MLS Cup. Uh, I believe that was 09, right? Boy. I don't think was that it? I don't think that was in this decade, yeah. but but nonetheless, uh, you know, championship. Time does fly. Uh, Kevin adding Jerry Sloan retiring in 2011. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, that I was, still remember that night. That was that was big news. Unfortunately, I was covering Jimmer. At, uh, I think they were over at Air Force, and uh, that happened the night of that game if I'm remembering correctly well that it was the Bulls I know and it was supposed to be Carlos Boozer's return to Utah and I don't think he played huh yeah I'd have to go back and check it because it didn't turn out to be the biggest storyline of the night you know that was a seismic shift though uh let's see here Brendan suggests Bronco leaving BYU was an incredibly impactful moment yeah because Bronco was a good coach and he ran a good program and so, you know, that was going to be impactful because you were going to transition. And I, I don't think the transition to Kalani uh, went incredibly smooth. And we, we saw that. I think Kalani learned a bunch of lessons. I think he's a better coach. And Bronco was the same way, by the way, when he took over for Gary Croton. Do you think that had Bronco stayed at BYU that the program would have struggled it wouldn't anyway? Have. Because it was kind of on a slide. Well, I think Bronco left for a reason. I, I I do. I I think Bronco saw some of that coming. I don't, however, think it would have quite bottomed out the way that it did. That 4-9 and nine season. Because Bob and I, as uh, as unique a personality as he What's is. What's the purpose of your question? Uh, has a tremendous amount of experience as, at the offensive coordinating position. And I, I think that he would have created an offense for Tanner Mangum that probably would have been better than what Ty Detmer was I'll able to do. I agree with that. So I I don't I don't think that you know they would have been rolling off ten win seasons by any means, but I don't think it would have bottomed out with a four win uh, four win season. What individual athletes stand out from the past decade? We mentioned Jimmer. Well, Taysom Hill scored a touchdown yesterday, right? Um, uh, Jamal Williams, if we want to stick with uh, with BYU, Kyle Van Oy, Zach Moss. You want to flip over to the youth? Zach Moss, yeah. I certainly think will will be one of those guys. Um, uh, any number of defensive that, that players, Utah Marcus defense. Williams, you know, the rise of the youth defense. I mean, it was it's always it's usually been good, but there have been times that it has just been stellar. Star Lotulale played for the Utes yeah. in this decade. He was incredible. Yeah, they've had man. Think about the legacy there. Especially up front, yep. But also in the back of that defense. Nate Orchard had that season where he racked up all the led the nation in sacks. He had Hunter Demick set the record, the career record for sacks, and now Bradley and I is aiming to break that record right tomorrow night. So it's kind of fun to look back at this this past decade. You know, it it has been filled with highs and lows, which they're we're we're very fortunate around here. I, I truly believe this, where we've had a lot of success given our relatively small market. I mean, you know, oh four oh eight for small. No, 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 but I think you get what I'm saying. I mean, Utah success in 04 and 08, even going back to BYU's national championship, the Jazz appearance in the finals, the Utes going to the Final Four. I mean, there's been a lot of ups. The Olympics. Uh, uh, the Olympics. Yeah, the past 30 years, 40 years, they've been filled with a lot of ups around here. This past decade, it had some downs. What was the worst of it? 
BYU football that one year, four and nine, was pretty. That was a sorry year for the program. That or ties last year here with the Jazz. Yeah, yeah. And sure. and to, in Ty's defense, the Jazz didn't want to be good that year. I mean, they they didn't. They were they were going to be down while the rebuild was going on, and they were figuring out what they had. And unfortunately, the draft pick that came along with that Dan year, Dante Exum, obviously that's very relevant, given he given he was just traded and. That road finally came to an end. But, but you mentioned the the sort of the the feeling around the team and the excitement. Remember when Dante was drafted, and I'll never forget that first practice, that sort of uh, scrimmage that the Jazz here yeah. had at the mm-hmm. arena, and ten thousand people showed up for that. There was a lot of buzz around him. Yeah, but there wasn't a whole lot of to get buzzed about with the Jazz at that time. Right. Remember, and and actually, this is where I'll give the fans around here a lot of credit, because the building didn't empty out that much. It wasn't full. Don't get me wrong; it, it wasn't the nineteen nine eleven that the the capacity of the building was back then. It was it was not that, but it wasn't that much lower than sixteen seventeen either. Uh, you know, sometimes maybe you're down in fifteen, but uh, honestly, jazz fans still were grasping at anything to be excited about, and that's when Dante came around, where they were looking for something because they're good fans and they wanted something to be excited about their yeah. team. Yeah. So, um, but but the Jazz bottom, bottoming out, that's got to be that's got to be in there. Utah having a couple of what sub five hundred seasons, getting adjusted to the Pac twelve. There was yeah, some nervous seven two years in a row. There was some nervousness that the the new the new digs would be overwhelming to the Utah football program. But it bounced back, and now the Utes are very highly respected around. After Boylan going into the Pac twelve, Ute basketball was at an all time low. Everybody was jumping ship. Yeah. BYU basketball is not really bottomed out, which I think is good news. Last year's loss to San Diego in the tournament, that was a little rough. Were there any stellar performances by individuals in individual sports? Well, Tony Finau. Tony Finau. That's a great one. How about that? Tony Finau making the Ryder Cup. That yeah. was a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else? Any of the Ute gymnasts that were? What's her name? Uh, Michaela Skinner. Skinner. Michaela Skinner, yeah. She's. Yeah. She's in the running right now, is she not, for the uh, For the Olympic team? team, I think so, yeah. How about uh, Nathan Chen? Chen? Is mm-hmm. that his name, the, sca- uh, fig- the figure skater? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. What about Troy or Troy? Mike Trout's career starting right here? <laughs> I don't know how impactful that was, but it is kind of a nice— The greatest baseball player to ever walk the earth? Kind of a, a note. And you don't think that's impactful? Well, I, I'm pretty sure didn't uh, didn't Willie Mays play for the Salt Lake Goals or whatever they were back in the Not day? Not the greatest to ever do it anymore. Dude, really? I have to double check that. I'm Not in the decade sure either. Hmm. Not, Not in the decade. I'm yeah. not 100% sure of that. But. They were the, the minor league team for the Giants, I know. Hmm. I don't know. Go ahead and uh, tweet at us. Uh, I, I, I th- that's all I can think of. Bobby Wagner for Utah State, as far as an impact player, uh, oh, yeah. says our friend Larry. Can I? Mean, I can Bobby's I? Bobby's going to be a Hall of Famer, so yeah, I think. Here's one that hasn't been. I don't think you guys mentioned it, and not saying that you didn't on purpose, but the uh, the Jazz being put into a trust. Oh yeah, they'd yeah. be here forever. Yeah. Good call. Yeah, it's super impactful. In fact, that might be the answer. I mean, there's what else can impact the economy, the culture, the right. the business? It's right there. I don't know the assurity that that the the team isn't uh, isn't going anywhere. Let me ask this question: Is Gail Miller one of the greatest sports people in the history of the state? Oh, certainly. Along I mean, well, are you, are you saying Larry and Gail together, or well, are you saying I mean, Gail but, individually? Because I you can make an argument for both, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Larry. 
people are all aware of that. But Gail, she, you know, she spearheaded that whole thing. Well, she's she her, and the word she likes to use, I think, is stewardship. You know, her her uh, stewardship of the team has been extraordinarily successful. But you know, keep in mind that Larry kept the team here, and it was by no means a sure bet when he bought the franchise. And he was no near the titan of business at the time. You know, that was yeah. kind of I don't want to say he was just getting started because he wasn't necessarily just getting started, but. He wasn't. Uh, he didn't own. I mean, the company owns so many dealerships today, and it's into movie theaters and and obviously radio and so many different things. It was, oh, when he bought the Jazz, it was a huge gamble. Yep. And when he built the arena, the the borrowed more money than he was worth. When he built built the Delta yeah. Center and did it basically by financing it himself. I mean, there was a huge, huge, huge risk to that. No wonder Larry said when I asked him what his greatest strength was, he said, "I see things other people don't." He did. In the case of the Utah Jazz, he certainly, certainly. did. Yeah. So. You know that's that's unbelievable. Think about what Utah the sports scene would be like without the Utah Jazz here, and that's that you can lay that at the feet of the Millers. They're the ones that save the day there. Well, how how much would Seattle love for the Jazz to move to Seattle? And now it won't happen. It's never going to be going hand in hand with this. It was really impactful to renovate the arena. It was very impactful to update this building so that would that would not be an issue for the foreseeable future because what has been uh, often at the heart of um, franchises moving have been disagreements over uh, the building that you're going to play in. I mean, speaking of Seattle, that's exactly what it was. The, the community wouldn't finance a new stadium, so Howard Schultz sold the team and it moved. So along those lines, we can look back at the past decade, but whenever you look back... I always think of looking ahead, and I wonder what the next 10 years bring. 10 well, championships. Will it bring an NBA title? Is, I mean, it, it, it could. But to say will, I mean, that's it's tough. Gail well, said it on the show. It's, it's, here. it's hard mean, to get to the top. Will we, will we see the Utes win the Pac-12 and play in the Rose Bowl? Will you retire from writing in the next decade? Uh, I guess it depends on what kind of writing you're talking about. But uh, what are you going to start? I writing? Meant, I meant fan fiction. Are you going to start writing like fantasy Romance novels? novels. Oh, come on, <laughs> that's what I was talking about. I don't think you yes. should. No, I don't think uh, you don't would, think so. I don't think you would be good at writing oh, romance novels. Chester could write some romance novels. You don't think so? Oh, no. Nope. You, I mean, look, he could. No, I don't <laughs> think he could. Can he write? Yes, he can write. I he, mean, he can draw pictures. So I've seen a few. <laughs> hey, if Gordon were, were to start, stop writing columns and start writing something else, what genre would Gordon best be suited for? Not poetry. Not poetry. Uh, not, not even close. Not, not poet, romance either. You only know of one of my poems. I wrote many others. I'd say VCR manuals, but they're not around anymore. <laughs> I, I think Gordon could do a nice like leisure column, right? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think he. I think he could. I think you could pull that. It's off. expensive being rich with right. Gordon Monson. <laughs> Come on, guys. Well, I woke up and had my coconutty beverage by the pool. Yeah, I think you could do something like that. Here's the amenities that are worth it. Here's the ones that aren't so much. Concert reviews? Right now. You Chester's, go to a lot of Chester's concerts. Chester's going to take that. He's going to take that challenge on. Romance novels. 
They are on the way. No, they're not. Yeah. I think uh, they'd be bestsellers. Joining us now in studio, our good speaking friend. Of, speaking of romance. Uh, Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Yes, he wants to help you. Bring the romance back into your relationship. Into the bedroom. We Indeed. do. We have a therapy for ED that is, um, well, let me just put it this way. ED can wreak havoc on a relationship for sure. Um, and for the man and the partner. And uh, this treatment opens up the blood vessels. So it addresses the real problem of erectile dysfunction, which is blood flow. Um, if you're out there listening and you're experiencing frustrations in the bedroom, uh, I think it's worth listening to. This does not require a pill. It doesn't require, uh, require injections, no surgery. It's non-invasive using acoustic wave therapy, uh, FDA cleared and clinically proven for sure at this point to regrow blood vessels and increase blood flow. So normal, natural spontaneity in the bedroom. I know that sounds so great to so many. And you've talked about this before, and if you have limited function, you could be a little bit better candidate. But truth is, you know, if you're having issues at all, severe or not so much, you guys can help. Yeah. The, the one thing I see over and over again is guys wait until ED is so bad before doing something about it. They'll be ordering supplements from every country. They'll be, you know, getting stuff from Canada. Uh, um, and then once it's, you know, function is completely gone, they come in and, and you know, get it treated. If you can have the foresight to get this treated early uh while things are maybe slipping and not perfect it is so much easier so this treatment can work really well and probably get you back to 100 percent 801-901-8000 is the number to call and if they do you'll give them a free assessment with a doctor we will so uh call us now we'll do an analysis a blood flow ultrasound really cool diagnostic tool um uh, an exam with the doctor. It's a medical doctor. Uh, normally there's a charge. Call us now. We'll do it totally free. And it's important to remember it's, there's no obligation to go forward with the treatments. I guarantee that whether you take advantage of our services or not, you'll get something good out of the assessment with the doctor. He's seen more ED than probably anybody in the state, and uh, it's really good information. So, Andrew, what you're saying is, oh, Canada, it doesn't work. Yeah, well, you never know what you're getting <laughs> online. 801 8000 And, Gordon, you're, you're talking about possibly writing books. You know Andrew's already a best-selling author. Yeah. I'm just saying. Is he really? Yeah, that you're not the only writer. Many, many years ago. Mm. What did you write? Just throwing that A self-help book. Did you really? Yeah. Yeah, but it's probably been 10 years. In fact, I don't know that they're even, I don't know that you can even get them anymore. Was it a bestseller? It was uh, Amazon, some list on Amazon it made, like a bestselling list. And what was it called? It was called Accomplish Anything. Wow. Yeah. How many uh, bestselling lists uh, you been on? Hmm. Probably some. <laughs> he's, 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 well, let me get back to you. He's nominated, he's nominated for Sports Writer of the Year. That's year. pretty good. Oh, that's nice. That's pretty yeah. good. You stop it. All Just right. Stop. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> Thanks, guys. That number again, 801-901-8000. More straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. show gordon monson jake scott 97.5 1280 the zone thank you for making us a part of your day stay tuned coming up momentarily we're going to talk to nick bromberg of yahoo sports he wrote up a little preview on the utes and the longhorns for the alamo bowl 
What's uh, what's uh, your anticipation level, Gordon? I know you wrote about the Alamo Bowl recently. Are you uh, are you juiced about this game? Uh, juiced. Uh, it's 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 interesting. I want to see how the Utes bounce back from that loss to Oregon, and uh, it it certainly falls short of what. Uh, Everybody involved with the Utah program had hoped for. In fact, I I think you can probably make the statement that ultimately this season has been a disappointment. And we need to have that conversation because you and I both set some different standards. And I was listening to uh, when Austin threw together the Best Of show. He did a great job, and he kind of went through week by week the highlights of what we talked about. And we had some different standards for the Utes this year, so we might not need to get into that conversation. Well, they had a great team, but uh, I think they did fall short. All right, uh, it's time. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Lease any uh, phone and get an iPad or Samsung tab for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. He writes for Yahoo Sports. He's got a preview up uh, for the Utes and the Longhorns. He is Nick Bromberg with us on the Big Show. Hi, Nick. How are you? What's up? How's it going, guys? First of all, happy holidays. Uh, you Are you big into bowl season? Does it kind of go hand in hand with the Bromberg holidays? It does, you know. I've already told my mom was like, "So, what are your New Year's Eve or New Year's Day plans? Can you come over for dinner?" I'm like, "No, sorry, I've got the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl to worry about." <laughs> so, you know, the family New Year's is like, "All right, they understand, they get it." You know, it's, it's nice to have Christmas Day off, but I've spent basically every hour it feels like of the day or since Christmas Day uh, watching college football of some sort. So let's get right to the local stuff. What are you anticipating in the Alamo Bowl with Utah going up against Texas? Uh, okay, I think Utah matches up extremely well with Texas. Yeah, even though you've got the injuries in the secondary, this is a Utah team we obviously, as you guys know very well, stops the run. Texas has a hard time running the football. Uh, it was funny to me when Keontae Ingram said, we should do our job against Utah's run defense. Well, okay, you got to do more than that. Um, because, you know, Texas play calling, which is the reason they've made the switch at offensive coordinator to Mike Gearsearch search in 2020, pretty predictable. I mean, a lot of times, third and shorts this season, you knew Sam Ellinger was going to run the football. That being said, there's always it's always the wild card in bowl season of you have a team like Utah who had the playoff in its grasp in the Pac-12 title game. You're playing a team kind of like what we saw with Georgia last year. You're playing a team... In this case, Texas, three losses worse on the season in the Alamo Bowl. How motivated is Utah to show up and go for win number 12? I think Whittingham will have them motivated. I think Utah wins this game, wins it fairly easily. But I'm also not going to be totally surprised if this game ends up a little closer than it should be, You know, given the fact that I can understand why Utah players would feel a little disappointed in where they ended up this season. So you mentioned the change at offensive coordinator, change at defensive coordinator as well for Texas. What impact will that have on this game specifically? You know, that's a great question. I think Tom Herman's going to be probably a little more involved in the play calling because Tim Beck got demoted to uh, quarterback's coach for this game. He was the offensive coordinator this season. And so maybe you see Texas pull out of the stops and have some creativity. Colin Johnson being healthy and playing, that's a huge impact for Texas because this is a team that Devin DuVernay caught over 100 passes this year. Colin Johnson, I think, was a second-leading receiver. He was injured for part of the season, only had 35 catches. So cover the slot with Devin DuVernay. See if they can figure out a way to get Colin Johnson open deep to open up the space for DuVernay. But also, to how creative can Texas be running the football? 
simply because, like I said, they struggled with injuries. Ingram was banged up. They had Roshan Johnson in up for a lot of the season being their lead running back, and he was a guy who started the season at quarterback, backing up Sam Ellinger. So, you know, how well can Texas run the football and how creative and committed are they going to be to do that? Because I do think they're going to have to try to establish some sort of running game against Utah's very, very, very good defensive front. So, Nick, what do you anticipate the score being? What are we looking at here? Ooh, that's a great question. I think, you know, 26-17 sounds about right to me. I, You know, Texas defense got shredded at the end of the season, and at the same time, I can totally see Utah. I love Utah's offense. I I thought, you know, had they been 12-1 and and Oklahoma been 12-1 at the end of the season, I realized Oklahoma would have been the sexier pick because of the flashier offense. But what Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss do, I think they're one of the best quarterback-running back combinations in the league, given how efficient Huntley was. I mean, it's absolutely remarkable to me that he completed over 70% of his passes and still averaged 10 yards in attempt. That rarely, you don't hardly ever see that. You've got Zach Moss averaging over six yards a carry. I think Utah, again, if they are motivated, they are by far the better team. They should win this game by two scores. Nick Bromberg of Yahoo Sports with us in 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And, Nick, uh, curious uh, to your thoughts on this from a national perspective, but the knock on Utah all year long has been they haven't beaten anybody. And and there was some relevancy to that argument, right? You know, uh, they obviously lose to USC. The Pac-12 was not exactly up this year. They feasted on some, some subpar opponents, no doubt. But that was the knock on them going into the Oregon game, and then they fall to a really good Oregon team. So I guess my question for you is, do they need this win over Texas to legitimize their season or is that even possible i'm not sure how you can legitimize the season given where texas is and i don't mean that in a knock against utah i understand what you're saying and i think it was the same thing that clemson kind of dealt with and why davos played played that disrespect card so much but at the same time you really can only beat who is on your schedule and i think the pac-12 it didn't have that dominant team but great example in the Sun Bowl tomorrow, this is an Arizona State team. I think it's favored four, four-and-a-half points over Florida State, even though both teams have similar records. You know, so you're looking at this. I think the Pac-12 probably was the fourth-best Power Five conference, and I think was a lot deeper than people gave it credit for. Because I know with, what, two weeks ago in the season, there was a chance where 10, 11 teams could have gotten bowl eligible had things broken right. But this is a Texas team where, quite frankly, they're all hat and no cattle, to borrow a Texas phrase. Um, this is a team that, for some reason, the college football playoff rankings, the selection committee really liked them. They jumped up in the rankings after they beat Kansas State at home by one possession, and then they quickly dropped back out after they lost again. And so, yeah, the same Texas team beat Georgia last year in the Sugar Bowl, was 9-3 and this year, fell backwards. But I think they're kind of living off that. There's nothing that we've seen from Texas this year outside of that LSU game game all the way back in week two that really made you think that this was a top-notch Texas team. So I'm not sure, unless it's a convincing 49-3 to win, I'm not sure how much they a two-possession or a 10.14-point game does for Utah because I think people can easily point their fingers and say, yeah, see, we told you, Texas wasn't really all that good. So, Nick, what do you think of the college football playoff, the semis, uh, semifinals, and uh, what do you make of Clemson-LSU? Um, I think we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves there. There's already been some talk about people wondering if whoever Clemson or LSU wins, whoever wins on January 13th, 
would this be the greatest college football team ever? Let's pump the brakes on that a little bit, but I do think we are in line for an absolutely epic title game along the lines of some of the things we've seen from Alabama and Clemson over the years. Um, you know, I was absolutely astounded by what LSU did to Oklahoma. I thought they were going to duel out the Sooners, but not nearly, I don't think anyone anticipated seven touchdowns from Joe Burrow in the first half. And, you know, I think it's, I think it's safe to say that Clemson, Clemson didn't play its best game, first off. Secondly, they escaped against Ohio State because Ohio State, the two incredibly dumb penalties, first the targeting by Sean Wade and the roughing the punter that Clemson, which you have to give them a ton of credit for, turned into a 99-yard touchdown drive to take the lead in the second half. And then, of course, which I think Ohio State fans will never forget, and I understand why they're frustrated, the fumble call that should never have been overturned. Roger Redding, the national coordinator official, told CBS today that he did not agree with the call being overturned to an incompletion. And obviously that touchdown by Jordan Senior would have given Ohio State the lead. It did not, though Clemson ended up punting, and the Buckeyes got the lead after that and took the lead. Um, 23-21. So, you know, Ohio State messed up. They screwed up. They had chances in that football game, and they didn't capitalize on them. Um, so I'm absolutely fascinated if Clemson plays its A game from start to finish, and so does LSU. I think these two teams are pretty evenly matched. Well, Nick, we can't thank you enough for coming on, giving us a little wisdom. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of the bowl games, for that matter. We appreciate it. Hey, sounds great. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Nick. Nick Bromberg of Yahoo Sports on to give us a little preview of the Alamo Bowl. What do you think of his uh, predicted score? Was it 26-17? You think that's uh, the song that's going to be sung? Hmm. 26-17? I, I think the youth can score more than that, to be honest. I do, too. I do. Texas has, has a bunch of talent, but they haven't really put it together. Tom Herman... I mean, you can make an argument about how good of a job he's actually done there. Yeah. Um, the defense was – I mean, both sides of the ball were a disappointment this year. You know, new schemes are certainly new coaches overlooking both the offense and the defense. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I see Utah – Utah should win this going away. If the motivation factor is where it should be. Do you think Texas will be able to throw the ball since – especially without uh, Johnson and Blackman? Well, you heard Nick right there. and I, I don't know if they're really throwing the balls their thing. Well, that's what they've liked to do in the past. Yeah. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. But I think Utah absolutely should win this game. If, if their minds are in the right place, they should win. I agree with that 100%. All right. We'll have more coming up next. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Donovan freaking Mitchell Hmm. is just so good. This is his third season, everybody, and look what he is doing right now. If you are not coming to Utah Jazz games and you have the ability to, you're missing out. And if you're unable to go to the games while you're watching and or listening, just take a moment and appreciate what is happening with young Donovan Mitchell right now, because it is greatness. And when the money's on the table, he's playing exceptionally well, more times than not. Clutch situations, this team is dang good. This year's team has some things they're trying to get, you know, fixed and worked out, and they're, what, 20 and 12? That's a dang good place to be while you're far from being at your absolute best. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
Big show. Wrapping one up, in fact. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Sorry I've been weird today. You have been weird today. What's a little going weird. on? You, you adjust the, the medication dosages or oh, something like that? You, no, I wouldn't be weird like that. I'm just messing with your med cocktail. What's, stop it. What's going yeah, on? Stop you have been it over there. sending out a bit of a different vibe today. Uh, a little goofy. Yeah, I'll admit it. But have you fun. added something to the medication regimen? <laughs> no, Are we no, dealing with something new? No, 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 no. Maybe just a little bit of the holiday thing mixed in. No, I don't drink. Yeah, eggnog. No, no, have some of the some of the I eggnog. I hate to admit this, but I I, I like cocaine. <laughs> I, I was talking about the song "Cocaine," not not the drug. Into uppers these days. Not uh, at all, Gordon. Hmm. Okay, is cocaine an upper? I believe so. My uh, knowledge of drugs is quite low since mm-hmm. I've never mm-hmm. done them. None of us believe that. Not, what? Well, if Why you, would that be hard to believe? If, I'm a sucker for grass. I know you uh, don't. That's the kind of grass you play on, not the kind you smoke. I know you don't consider consider sniffing glue a drug, but, you know. I never sniffed glue. No. <laughs> Save that. <laughs> never have. Never, never had the occasion. I no. have not never sniffed glue. Not never sniffed glue. <laughs> that's unedited, by the way. That's uh, That's a double negative. I have not never sniffed glue. Which favorite brand? <laughs> what's your, what's your go-to? <laughs> oh, that's amateur. That's amateur stuff. <laughs> you got to get the toxic stuff no, from no, the USSR. Let's not make light of uh, drug use. Uh, nobody wants. Nobody wins there. Uh, ben Anderson is going to be with me tonight for the pre-half and post, Gordon. He's going to jump into that chair you're occupying at the moment, coming up here at the top of the hour. But uh, curious, give me a couple of things you're looking for tonight. I, I, the Jazz should beat up on the Pistons pretty you good. Think so. But uh, what, what's kind of piquing your fancy? Well, for, the, for one thing, that was such a huge win against the Clippers. Any kind of letdown would be a disappointment. I think the Jazz are really, really building this thing forward. And so when you have an opportunity like this on your home floor, man, go out and put this team where it should be. I, I would, And my expectation for the Jazz in this game is to build a double-digit lead and not to give it up and just keep on building straight on through to the end. They haven't done that that much this year. No, they haven't because the bench has been so shaky, which is what's kind of cool about this Jordan Clarkson move is you wonder how much of those issues it's going to fix. I mean, you know, you criticize the Jazz for building these leads and then squandering them. Well, it's pretty it's pretty easy to explain if you look into it, and that's the problem they've been trying to address. That is true, but it is interesting at times when the bench is on the floor, most of it, when you have Clarkson and you have Moutier, and then oftentimes uh, you'll see Donovan Mitchell them with that group and so you have three guys who can create their own shots. Right. Which, I mean, we've talked about this. Quinn wants at least two playmakers on the floor at all times and needs to figure out a way to do that. But when those three are on the floor together, do you think they will get to a point where the ball's popping or is it always going to be a drive to the rim? Well, I'll tell you what. If Donovan Mitchell does what you want him to do, then the ball's going to stop popping. <laughs> He starts playing hero ball that's all the time because I that's what you've been talking that's about all day. not what I said. It is, too, I, and it's no, frustrating to no, me. No, it is not. It's just a couple more shots in the first half. You wanted him to take 25 shots a game, which is more than James Harden. Yeah, I, I, I guess I did sort of say that, didn't I? You did. And right now he's taking, what, 21? 20.6. 20. 20. All right, how about 24? 
so just barely fewer than James Harden. So who's taking four less shots? Yeah, that who's taking. That's the big key. Is where do the shots Boyan? come from? Yeah. You want Boyan taking four less shots? Well, I know. He's but averaging maybe, like 25 maybe, points maybe a game. Maybe one less shot. Then you take George Niang, maybe two less shots. 20 points a game, sir. I mean, that's so easy to pick on gorgeous George, but somebody's <laughs> got to come off the bench, Gordon. And that's what he does, by the way. If you don't want George Niang taking corner threes and actually shooting, then why is he on the team? So you're taking shots from the guy who that's really his only contribution to the team. No, well, wait a second, though. Do you really want to see those guys shoot and Donovan's on the floor with them and you want those guys to take the shot? I like it that Donovan gets his teammates going. Yep, well, I, I I, I'm not complaining about that. You are, though. No, I'm not. You are, Let them touch the ball and then give it back to him. Oh, my gosh. All right, joining us now in studio, <laughs> Gordon, enjoy your evening. It's good to see you. <laughs> well, terrific. Yeah. It's going to be a good one. Our friend Andrew Reinhardt is here from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Uh, you know, maybe folks would like to start the new year off with, uh, with a yes. little bit better relationship. Good timing. Yep. Yeah, good New Year's resolution. Improve things in the bedroom. We're helping guys with erectile dysfunction with something kind of revolutionary and breakthrough. Um, acoustic wave therapy uh, uses a non-invasive device, basically. kind of looks like an ultrasound machine. It's placed on the skin um, with a few treatments at our clinic in Murray. It opens up the blood vessels. Uh, that's really the cause of ED is it's a lack of blood flow, um, maybe a clogging of blood vessels. This solves that problem and restores the normal function like it used to be in your younger years. If you're 60, maybe it's 40. If you're 40, maybe, you know, it, 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 it takes time back a little bit. Um, and no pills, no injections, and no side effects. And really, the, the treatment process is, is short, right, Andrew? I mean, it's yeah. just a few treatments, and, and you always like to say this. I mean, if, if you picture the calendar in your head, you could be back to normal by, yeah. what, by when? A couple of weeks, Yeah, right? a couple of weeks. Um, treatments are 10 or 15 minutes. You might do a few of them over two to three weeks. Uh, uh, so yeah, mid January, end of January, um, guys usually fight this and they don't want to get it treated and they wait until the problem gets worse. Uh, and then it's more difficult to treat, but if you're experiencing symptoms of ED, you're not happy with what's happening in the bedroom, get it fixed. Um, we can get it back so quickly and take care of the problem. Uh, the root cause of the problem. All right, uh, 801-901-8000. That's 801-901-8000. And if uh, folks get on the books tonight, they can get a free medical assessment. Yes, and this is the last chance of the day, guys. So if you're thinking about it, pick up the phone, call us right now. We'll do the initial assessment, blood flow, ultrasound, um, exam, analysis with the doctor, totally free, normally a charge. Call us right now, um, zero cost and no obligation. All right, 801-901-8000. Call right now, 801-901-8000. Andrew, it's great to see you, man. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, Jazz Game Night pregame show kicks off next here on the on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I knew that was about the end of it. So long, baby.